but mm, use your words. We are recording now. Sweet. So tell me exactly how much Sam hates you. Murder Sam? Murder Sam. Why does Murder Sam hate you? I read up on one of the serial killers he's had to buy Infimera from because I think he's on the no write list. And um, I figured out that the guy really likes poetry. And so I sent him a poem that's like, has some erotic undertones if you read it that way. It's by Blake, who's a religious poet. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, like, asked him about, like, who should I read and, like, what should I study? And he, like, immediately wrote me back. Yeah. And it was so creepy. And awesome. It's a serial killer. I'll just say that. And Sam right. was like, damn it! Ah! <laughs> Yeah, so, I yeah, that happened. Hurt you, Sam. How you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> not even sorry a little bit because this is so amusing to me. I'm not, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm a little embarrassed that I did that, but I did it. And I also don't want to get on the blacklist for mentioning him on the internet. Right, so it's not a person that it's, did it's a thing. It's a place and a thing, but not a person. It, it, not a person, nor a place, nor a thing, because nothing happened, dear listeners. And it's, I am, like... Actually, his poetry advice was really good. I ordered the book he gave me with the ISBN. I was I was impressed. I found nice. it, it's out of print, but I found a like cheap copy, and I you know he suggested some people I hadn't read, like uh oh what's his name? It's a Japanese poet. It's like Bako or uh, Bashko. It I uh, Japanese is hard. Japanese is hard. Um, so this is Art I Swear. I'm Vanessa Van Alstein. I'm Katie Gibbs. And today we're going to be talking about... Uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Basquiat! Basquiat. Baskets of Basquiat. This is actually somebody I don't know a ton about because, uh, I know a bit about his work. But like him personally, I don't know a whole lot. I've seen the Julian Schnabel film. Right. Um, that has like David Bowie as Andy Warhol. Yeah. But, uh, and I didn't know that was David Bowie. <laughs> Probably because I'm clueless, but yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. He was also in a film uh, for Blondie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Schnabel film was like, I think it was made like 10, 20 years after he died. I, he's right. He's 27 Club, right? Yeah. Yeah. He uh um he actually knew he exhibited with Schnabel. 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 All right, he exhibited with Schnabel and several other neo-expressionist Postmodernist, yeah. Whatever. It's at the top of the thing. You can pull your notes up on the phone. <sighs> he was obviously a contemporary of Keith Haring, if you know the like he he knew Keith Haring. Yeah, he primary color uh, like graffiti art that's like people doing things. Haring died really young of AIDS. Yep, he died. I I think Haring died after Basquiat did. He um, was still really young. I think he was in his thirties. Right. Um, and yeah, they were both graffiti artists at the same time. Just obviously, Haring was gay, and I don't, Basquiat wasn't, to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure he liked the girls. Uh, he did like girls. Yeah. He uh, dated Madonna before she was Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um, Which goes back to our Nestor Zaragoitia interview who uh, recorded Madonna's demo stuff. He, Nestor's an interesting guy. The audio is not the best, but I encourage you guys to go back and listen to his two interviews. Um, 
neo-expressionism, if you think about, I mean, neo means new, obviously, if you've ever watched the Matrix films that's been beat into you, like a <laughs> very lonely person with a very angry stick. It's a metaphor. I don't, I'm, I'm, I have questions about your metaphor use. I, okay, I like, I, I feel like I, uh, I like, uh, I channel Opus the Penguin. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, we would, we, we have similar tastes in hats. Well, obviously. Yeah. And your hats so, are fabulous. And so is Opus. So uh, ironically, my dad, uh, who passed away in 2015, went to, uh, UT with, uh, Burke Brethead. Huh. Yeah. They were in the same fraternity. Right. Yeah. Apparently Burke liked to read lead panty raids, but was otherwise fairly quiet. The panty more raids. you know. Panty raids. That's that's like all I know about fraternity culture, that and like beer and date rape. Yeah. That's a thing, right? I, that's I know the ins and outs of newer fraternities. Like by newer I mean my husband graduated like ninety-three and he was Kappa Sig at A and M. So, yeah, um, I know what they did, and I know they played Space Invaders with people, with people and rooftops. Well, speaking of college, I also know that Basquiat didn't go to college. Thank you for bringing, <laughs> bringing it back. back. I brought it back. I'm good at that. Um, uh, he did not. He actually uh, dropped out of high school, but I... he went, though, to a magnet school for the arts that was right? run by a lot of. It's a public school, but it's... It's a prestigious public school where the teachers are the people that also teach at, like, Columbia and the art department and right. some of the very nice, like, city schools that are prestigious for the arts. Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. So, early life, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat um, was the second of four siblings. His eldest brother, uh died right before Basquiat was born and then he had two sisters after that I think kind of stair steps and he was born uh was in the Caribbean right it's I think his mom was from uh ba -ba -ba -ba. she was from the Caribbean his dad was Haiti and she was Caribbean I think okay um or that's Puerto part, Rican. Of, that's that's part of the french name though a lot of those some of those were french colonies some of them weren't it's like louisiana there's a lot of french names texas there's not yeah yeah but yeah so no she was puerto rican he was haitian and she his mom liked to take the kids to museums all the time and always wanted to you know instill a love of the arts in her children so by four basquiat was at already developing a lot of talent he was already writing well he yeah. was reading he was doing art he was expressing himself quite well um i know he uh i believe his mom was mentally ill too so yeah. some of that had a big influence on uh like his outlook on things because yes. i think she was schizophrenic and so that's a it's a logic system that's not cohesive so right that kind of i think influences him in a way and in his late about high school they get his mom and dad get divorced and she didn't handle it well she kind of went into like the spiral of depression mm -hmm. um that's unfortunate right and um 
Basquiat's father, once Basquiat dropped out of high school, like the main public high school, Basquiat's father kicked him out. Even though he went to City of the Public Arts and everything else, uh, Basquiat ended up sleeping on friends' couches and selling t-shirts and postcards and having to do drug deals so that he could keep himself fed. Well, and the other thing is, he's also doing drugs. Right. And that's where his this will circle back around, but that's you know yeah. that's also going on. That's where that introduction to the drug culture came in. At, at one point, they moved his family before everybody divorced and everything. Excuse me. They moved to Puerto Rico for a couple of years. Uh, moved back to Brooklyn. So he had a very worldly kind of culture all through his childhood in the schnabel film she takes him to see guernica i don't know if that actually happened but you could like it's like shown as this like revealing moment to this child and i everybody i've ever known that's actually like seen that painting in person they describe it as like this life-changing thing i even ran into a waitress at a Oh, Bar Louie over at Firewheel, who had part of Guernica on her arm because she'd seen it and had never been able to get it out of her mind. Huh. It, it was interesting. I was like, I know what that work is. Huh. We'll have to do that sometime. She's like, you're one of like four people that's ever gotten that. Oh my God, I want to find this woman now. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Challenge, you are awesome, Bar Louie waitress. Um, I think about seven or eight... When Basquiat was seven or eight, he uh, got hit by a car playing in the street, <laughs> right? And it broke his arm um, in several places, but he also ended up, due to some internal injuries, having to have a splenectomy. And during the recuperation period, Basquiat's mom purchased him Gray's Anatomy. And um, I actually don't think we have any, any of the references on this, but it influenced his work later on in life tremendously and you can see some of his drawings are actually anatomical drawings if you look them up um that almost look like they're straight from the pages and i'm going to do a follow-up podcast at some point on postmodernism because i feel like we're at the point where that kind of needs to so we can explain happen that. because it'll make people like basquiat and jeff coons and damian hurst make a little more sense it'll make most contemporary people make more sense. Um, I'm a page in and it's solid philosophy. So it's. <laughs> so is this one of those where I get drunk and mock the whole time? Yeah, we eat something. Okay. Yeah, we might get a six pack. I don't know. Okay. This, this is drunken art, I swear. <laughs> We're going to try to drunkenly explain postmodernism. I think that's a fabulous little idea. You're and... just going to end up seeing bananas in pajamas. What's that, wrong with that? This? Happens every time you're drunk. What? What's? What's the problem? That was a horrible show. The British should be ashamed of themselves. They usually are, and then they apologize, and then they gave us Doctor Who. What's your point? They gave us Danger Mouse. That's better than Doctor Who. Them's fighting I'll words. I'll fight you. Come on. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, back to Basquiat. <clears throat> so, since he was born in 1960. Um, 1976, Basquiat begins uh, painting, well, notably painting graffiti on buildings and subways in lower Manhattan with his friend Al Diaz. Al Diaz? You know, you're the one that speaks a romance language, not me. Al Diaz. I believe that's Diaz. Diaz, yeah. Anyway, they went under the, pseudon the pseudonym Samo, which means same old shit. 
So it's kind of like uh, how in uh, Breaking Bad, the lawyer is uh, Saul Goodman, and then, and it really means it's all good man. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's the same level of goofy humor. And we're looking at uh, we've been we've had on the screen a a, a picture from that period, which is uh, you can see the Samo tag, right. Shit. And it was um, you have a quote here. Do you want me to read that? Yeah, go for it. Samo for same old marked the, the witty sayings of a precocious and worldly teenage mind that even at that early juncture saw the world in shades of gray, furiously, fearlessly juxtaposing corporate commodity structures with the social milieu he wished to enter the predominantly white art world. Franklin Sermons. There you go. Yeah. Do you agree? Do you disagree? How do you feel about this? I mean, I feel like a lot of graffiti art is pop culture referencing. Uh, it's also a fairly new method of painting in the 70s. I, I don't believe spray paint was really perfected until the 70s. Right. Please don't cite me in an academic paper for that one. Because um, I didn't look this up before we got on here. But... It has always been notoriously urban associated with people of color. And I've said this before about urban art. It's unfortunately usually seen as a lower art because it's accessible to everybody. And it references what the art world considers low subjects. And at this point in the art world, the figure was not okay. Allegory is not okay. And highly referential stuff is not okay. You have had your rebels, like the pop artists, which are your Lichtenstein and warhol and such but you know at, at this point not a lot of people are paying attention to him now i do know when he hits it big the samo graffiti and when keith herring hits it big the same thing happens people started going up to these this is black tar paper on a wall in the subway that you're going to later put posters on mm -hmm. people would take a knife and just cut out those sections of black tar paper and go frame them I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, I heard Nestor one time say you could just see people like walking off the subway with, with them because they wanted to, you know, this suddenly becomes worth a whole lot of money. Right. And when, and I want you to always keep in the back of your mind when he starts getting attention, he dies at 27. He lives a very short life. Yeah. So this is, some of this is too much attention too fast. Right. And there's Botsky out with Keith Haring. Oh, Keith. He's all coordinated. He's <laughs> all like, look at that hat. I want to kiss him. Like Basquiat is kissing him like a sweet little kiss on the head. So <laughs> during, during the daytime at this point, Basquiat would work for this uh, company called Unique Clothing Warehouse. Um, what happened is the owner of that clothing place, uh, found Basquiat doing his spray paint on a building and said, I want to hire you. And Basquiat went, okay. So he was a designer for Unique Clothing Warehouse during the day. And at night he'd go spray paint with Al Diaz. Um, the, uh, the graffiti art started getting noticed really quickly about 19, late 1978 is when, um, what was it? The Village Voice published a piece on Basquiat's graffiti. If you, after this, watched the Schnabel movie, it's very confusing if you 
don't already know who the people are in it. Mm -hmm. The obviously homosexual critic character is the man that's in the village voice that starts writing about Basquiat and kind of like helps his career along. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's to reiterate at this point, he is homeless. He is doing and surrounded by drugs. This is seventies New York with the like club art, like punk heroin culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is going to give birth to the um, club kid culture in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's that it's just, you know, he's not in a good situation and this guy kind of starts helping elevate him out of it. And they have kind of a confrontational relationship at some points because I imagine Basquiat is disgustingly talented and also really driven on tearing himself apart. I heard a story from an art professor here in Dallas, and I'm going to like omit names so that nobody gets in trouble. Um, one of the very wealthy art patrons who's, you know, white upper crust Dallasites is from the 70s especially are kind of that um dallas stereotype i mean the tv show yeah um as worldly as they try to be there's always a little bit of that like homeboy culture so one of them agreed to host basquiat so he could have a show at the dallas museum of art <laughs> and, no. and long story short the guy ended up at midnight driving around deep ellum trying to figure out where he could buy weed for basquiat <laughs> he refused to do anything if he didn't get weed <laughs> no way yes yes so there you go oh my god that's that's beautiful isn't beautiful it? yeah excuse me sonny got me that marijuana <laughs> i i need some grass grass do you sell grass i got green for green i'm just saying i'm just saying oh my god going to hell I, I wish i could say that he then like bought a like you know 80 dollar bag of oregano but that would be me making something up uh be cool um so eventually basquiat and diaz have a falling out and the uh they start he basquiat starts tagging through soho samo is dead um i think 1979 is about when that happened and then after taking note of that missive, uh, Keith Herring decided to stage a mock wake for Samo at Club 57. Nice. Nice. You're welcome. I would party with Herring. Oh, hell yeah. Lots of cheek kisses, because look at those cheeks. Look at He was just so sweet. So cute looking. I, I mean, I don't know that he was a nice guy. He looks like it. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd kiss Basquiat, too, because he's cute. Yeah. Yeah, I will. He was a, a, an attractive fellow. Um, Basquiat was also a musician. He had a music career brewing during the same time. Um, he did this noise rock band called Test Pattern, which turned into Grey. Um, he was actually really into the grunge punk scene. And he was in Blondie's movie Rapture. Music video, Rapture, in wait, 1981. Wait, wait. You know what I just realized? You were teaching me about a contemporary artist. What the fuck happened here? You made me do an outline. You picked Basquiat. You could have picked, like, you know, I don't know, 
anything. I love Basquiat. You love a contemporary artist. I'm not talking to you anymore. I just, it's strange to me. It is strange. There's stranger things in the world, though. That's, yeah. There's also a TV show called that. It's pretty good. There was also a TV show called Are You Afraid of the Dark? It was on Nickelodeon on Saturday nights. The answer is still no. Get back to your outline. Uh, so right about that same time, 1981, is when Basquiat becomes acquainted with Andy Warhol. That's the year I was born. Whatever. My birth lady. heralded this friendship. No, that's not true. Whatever, old lady. Yeah, I know. That was 1982. What? what? You're so old. Uh, yeah, but you're still older. It's never going to change, is it? Nope. Um... So how, <laughs> so how that happened, uh, Warhol was in a restaurant. Basquiat came and introduced himself and showed Warhol some of his work. And they became friends. Um, Basquiat ended up looking up to Warhol like a mentor and a friend. And Warhol helped him out. Um, you know, and in the movie, Bruno... Bershoff, God, what am I? Am I at a, how am I not remembering? My God, where's the Googles? I need the Googles. Oh. Bruno Art Collector. The days. It says Reno Art Collector. El Reno, no, Google. You remember the days when we had to pull out encyclopedias to do this? And you were really cool if you had an encyclopedia. We had the kids' encyclopedia. I got Encarta. Okay, it's Bruno is that right yes bruno bischoff he 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 is a major international art dealer and he was supposedly with warhol when warhol according to the movie i don't know if schnabel got that right schnabel also inserts himself in the movie showing off some of his paintings which i found really really funny right it's like, look, I knew, I knew, I knew it. Anyways, we'll do one on Schnabel at some point. Hmm. So, yeah, Andy Warhol and Basquiat. Basquiat. Though, uh, in the movie, they kind of hint that Basquiat's death made Andy so upset it it's killed the other him. Way around. That's not, no, it's, that's all, uh, it's all, uh, what is it, uh, Fairy tales and hokum. Yeah, it, it's um, it's apocryphal. Did you, you just use a word that I would have to look up? Apocryphal. It's like after the fact made up. Yeah. No. What happened was Warhol died first because Warhol died in '87, and then Basquiat died in '88. Well, it's one of them did not warn the other one into the grave. That was not accurate. Well, that then, was just Schnabel being an artist. Well, then don't read the end of my thing. Did you just watch the Schnabel movie and make an outline? <laughs> yeah, that's totally how I did my outline. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, people get upset, but it's that's not... No, what really happened was he was already in a depressive cycle. Yeah. And his heroin use got kind of out of control. He tried, and and this is later, but I don't care. We're going to do it now. Um, so at, by the end, uh, Warhol dies, I think, uh, what is it? Something 87. Um, Basquiat is already kind of in a de depressive cycle, as I said. He ends up 
using more heroin that gets out of control he dry he tries to get sober he actually flies flies out to maui or something to that's what it says in your note that he tried to sober himself up then the end died of a heroin overdose in his studio august 12 1988 Blech. well and you know and that's, that's always what gets people like if you quit it you got to stop because your body's not used to it if you go back and you try to do the same like that's what killed amy winehouse right it's that happens a lot it's that relapse it'll it sometimes it just gets you mm. and and heroin's tough to kick i mean kids don't do heroin th there you go don't be okay. kurt cobain don't be bosky i i mean he was brilliant but yeah, it's, yeah don't don't romanticize that one heroin's a horrible drug that just killed tons of people who had a lot of potential and then didn't meet it because they were junkies i've seen plenty of artists that their careers were just ruined by the fact that they were freaking junkies. It's heartbreaking. It is. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Do you want to talk about his first solo exhibition? I would love to. So, and now we're going back in the time machine because as this is an art history podcast, we're not going to do anything timeline-wise. Why would we do that? Why are you scratching your eye at me? Because my eye itches. If you go outside, everybody's car is slightly green from pollen it is terrible Ugh. and and everything is covered in it and it's in my nose and i draw pictures in it for people i'm like look they'll come out and you know get to go to work and see a smiley face and be happy oh yeah. that makes me happy so his basquiat's first solo exhibition was at the anina no gallery sounds good to me sure in soho in 1982 um he was also showcased with Schnabel, uh, David Sally, and several others in other galleries. Um, he left the Anina Nose Gallery in 86 and was showing at the Mary Boone Gallery in we Soho. We did mention her in the gallery podcast, I think. Right. And yeah. um, I think that's where he was showing he, he, where he was showing when he died. Words. I believe you're right. And I think Boone handles some of his estate stuff still. I think so, too. So um, I included just a couple samples of Basquiat's work for Vanessa to dissect for us. Um, the first one, aside from the graffiti, is called Skull, but it's S-C-U-L-L. -L. Uh, made it in 1984, acrylic and mixed media. Well, what do you think's going on in this picture? It, at first glance, it looks like the inside of somebody's head, and you get to see the kind of madness within, like all the little boxed little rooms and the darkness. Um, there's kind of barely formed shapes and like hints at things, um, very thick lines. Um, outlining kind of the skull you can see where he's got the Grey's Anatomy like he's looked at how the skull is supposed to be shaped and where anatomically what's supposed to be going on you can see it in the how the teeth are here in the skull but it's just it, it feels like it was randomly put on there but it just feels like madness was captured 
on a canvas. How is the background handled? For me, reading left to right, because the left side has that blue palette, then we move over to this orange. It's like going from a calm sense over to this kind of frantic, hectic. There's that blue and black down in the bottom right corner that kind of... Okay, and his treatment of color, especially in the background and his line work, does it remind you of any periods of art history? Now you're just testing me. Yes, I am. Um, yeah, he actually had a lot of influence um, from his Caribbean. Um, also from... Um, so pre-Columbian influence? Some pre-Columbian. Is that why you like it, Katie? I knew that's why you liked it. I just wanted you to confess. Confess. I'm not telling it's you. It's a comfy chair for you. This is actually surprisingly comfy. I know. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. And nobody expects my uh, mid-century modern theater chairs to be that comfortable. They really are. I need to like um, put some wood under them, but whatever. It does kind of look Darth Vader skull-ish, and it also looks like it's He's starting to have a brain leak right he here. He has, like, rooms in the head. Yeah. Um, does it remind you of modernism at all? You're going to have to define modernism to me. Like, I mean, it let's, doesn't... let's look at the, like, surrealists that were not Dolly. Like, Gene Arp. Do you remember that guy? Yes. So, what you're seeing here is a juxtaposition of style allegory and technique however what he is not trying to do is make something new this is not a form of painting that is in the artist's mind wholly original in some way right so these are the keys to postmodern art and one of the reasons they call this neo-expressionism, you're, you're expressionist, you're old school, you're, you're oldie expressionist. I don't know. What, what's the French word for old? Oh, put you on the spot. Put you on the spot. New is nouveau, so old would be... Fuck, I don't know. Katie feels French. Okay. Siri, what's the French word for old? Checking. Okay, I found this. Vieux, if you're referring to age, and d'artefois, if you're referring to time, which I've never learned d'artefois, and that's a new one for me. So d'artefois expressionism. Okay. Um, uh, Matisse, Van Gogh. Right, right. okay. Uh, Van Gogh is kind of a fauvist. The, the, but they that area that... is very blurry, but it's vivid color, uh, more abstract, uh, loose areas of paint. Which they pulled from the Caribbean, that color. Yeah, that you have, uh, what's his color. name, uh, Gauguin, who went to Tahiti. Right. Uh, which, that's not the Caribbean, but it's uh, Melanesia, and that's also... It has some things that are kind of similar to the Caribbean in a weird way. Tropics? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's like, look, we got colorful, festive birds. Let's paint like that. Um, <laughs> parrots are just festive birds. <laughs> Loud, angry, pissy, bitey 
festive birds. Don't get a parrot. Show me on the doll where the parrot touched you. It is the devil. I have a cat that plays Tony Hawk skates in the bathtub at 2 a.m. I do not need a parrot. Sarah has a parrot. His name is Gallifrey. He's going to be fried chicken soon. What kind of parrot? Angry. Okay. You know, my great aunt, she had these two little, uh, they were those little tiny green parrots. One was named Odie, and I told her, if you outlive Odie, Odie's going in the box with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All Gallifrey does is scream at the highest, loudest decibel he can All every was 20 bite. seconds. So one of the things I should probably explain that I said when it comes to postmodernism is the word allegory. Do you know what allegory means, Katie? It, it's when you tell a story. Pretty much. It's, you know, in painting, it was a... Uh, it used to be that most paintings had a moral or historical story attached to them. Right. Um, and that's part of how, like, sometimes you could justify, like, if you were a female patron. Well, let's fund a room that's all paintings that are allegories of modesty. So that's okay. There's, there's like, naked people, but they're, it's about how they're not going to screw. So I'm going to get away with this wow but you know it's and this is a real life example obviously um so it's it becomes in postmodernism okay to reference like historical events uh themes stuff like that things that existed pre-impressionism okay um and it's okay to paint people and it's okay to reference impressionism and fauvism and pop art and graffiti all in the same painting and we'll get into why when we do the postmodernism podcast but i'm gonna have to sit for a while with that one to make it in any way shape or form legible so modernism was we're gonna destroy the figure we're we're gonna it's not so much the figure it's the old mode of creating and create something new and pure right or new and maddening or it's new so they were like mad scientists with paint. Yeah, and you're only going to take that so far. Right. And it's like even anything modernists did, you can point at something that's, you know, influenced it. There's no such thing as originality, really. Because you haven't lived in a void. Yeah, that's you're always influenced by somebody. The people that don't acknowledge that are hacks. But it's like we get to the point where it's like, we can keep chasing the new dragon, but right. And then pop art is part of what starts to change that. And pop art's kind of spearheaded for a long time by Warhol. And so that's part of why he gets along with Basquiat. As you can see, the references to what are pop culture things for Basquiat and like new innovative methods of creating. And that's all very appealing to Warhol. Right. Um, I like this one that you picked, uh, Boy and Dog on a Johnny Pump, 1982. I'm going to assume that's a pogo stick. Acrylic crayon and spray paint on canvas. And that's, I love crayon. It's, if you use Crayola crayons on a canvas, you got to justify that to your art teacher because it's considered such a like low thing. And I'll say this, like, once you've used the like fancy oil color, uh, like kind of crayon things you go oh 
little crayons. So apparently a Johnny pump is a fire hydrant, especially in New York, especially lower Manhattan. Okay. And one, one that like you can flip open in the summer for the kids to play in the water. So like they, I always thought that that was like illegal and kids just pop those, but they like let kids play in those in New York. Well, I don't know if they let them so much as the kids do it or did it. I don't know. New Yorkers, let us know. Dude, in Texas, you if you're lucky, you can go out and play with the hose. You can't drink from the hose anymore. Do you know how many CPS like agents would show up at your door for that? Why? Because you're drinking from the hose. That's I mean, why I was drinking from the hose. Apparently, like, you could catch your death. Is this how I got the brain leeches? No, I put those in your ear while you sleep. I love you, too. Um... Yeah, and it's I don't I don't even know if they do that, but like I was also gonna say like drought season though if you oh, use they that hose, you. yeah, your mom's gonna come out and beat you with it. Oh, dude, the whole yeah. neighborhood will. It's pitchfork time. <laughs> That's they they will watch you from windows in suburbia when you're watering on on during the summer. They I have this really stuck up friend, and I told her once I try to like conserve water during drought with the if it's yellow let it mellow. I thought she was gonna die. Hopefully that didn't show up on the recording. Yeah, I was just like, that'll like strip the porcelain. I'm like, I rent. I don't care. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not going to stay in there that long. Uh, now everybody knows way too much about my peeing habits. Anyways, that's what editing's for. That's, that's, I don't really edit that stuff out. I'm, I've got serious problems. And if you haven't figured it out at this point, it's, we've been doing this for, I've been doing this for over a year now. I've been. Were you on the Dada podcast? Yeah. Because that was a year ago today. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I think that was my first one. It's been a year. Happy year anniversary, me. <laughs> and I, I did an outline again. That's I know. It's like one of like three. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! It's you're not that bad. It's it uh So tell uh, tell me about boy and dog on a Johnny pump. I that Johnny pump must be on fire. I don't know. It's there's this like seafoam green color that's mixing with these like very like fiery reds and yellows that use some aggressive loose brush strokes and it looks like the green is kind of like hitting the person and a dog and letting them out it looks like he originally painted the person and the dog with uh black paint and then came in and like uh graffitied and painted over there's some like kind of references to Mondrian in the arms and I want to say he probably was a Cy Twombly fan um the face is kind of like a skeleton with just two white circles for eyes and like very obvious teeth which has kind of a pre-Columbian or African or Caribbean Caribbean artwork feel to it and the like one of his feet is blue Obviously, that's the part getting cooled off by the fire hydrant. It looks like the dog was on fire, and the fire hydrant's putting it out. Poor dog. It kind of looks like a, if you look at it sideways, which is what I'm doing now anyway, it looks like a Keith Haring homage just around the... Could be. Oh, and the dog has a uh, halo. Yep. And it's, I know how he, this guy worked. Basquiat would like paint and then paint over and paint and then paint over. So these are very like 
thick and layered. But what's amazing is they still stay very flat in the background in a lot of places, except for where he deliberately make, gives them dimension or strokes. Right. So it shows that he's very good at controlling his paint, which is very hard. I mean, he you can tell he had some training. And um, you can see, like, in the, in the human body, it, it's like his skeleton is actually made up of pipes. Yeah. Like, oh, he is just a referencing form. the the Johnny Pump. See, look at me. Yeah, I know he had a sense of humor, so some of these are kind of like there's a little bit of a joke in there. Right. Um, one thing that I noticed you didn't pick is any artwork with the Samo crown. That's uh, like our tattoo artist Joe is like, yeah, my first year, everybody loves Sal Salvador Dali, and everybody's drawing the damn Samo crown. Everybody knows the Samo crown. Yeah, it's like three prongs, right. no uh, under circle. I sometimes draw it on stuff to dick with people. Oh my god, where did I recognize this then? So you want to talk about the next uh, painting, which is uh, flexible? Well, the painting is not flexible. The title is flexible. The it's title is flexible. 1984. Right, and it's mixed media, acrylic, canvas, uh, spray paint. You can definitely see a reference to my least favorite term, primitive art. Edit out the pause from me coughing up a lung. Oh, who needs lungs? Speaking of lungs, they're drawn in here. Yeah, they are drawn in there. Um, there, it's a white background, kind of like that faded antique. -y. It looks like it's made up of boards, and right. I know sometimes he would construct canvases out of street junk. Might be. He also painted on tires. He also painted on walls and subways. Like yeah. it just kind of came out. The thing, this is. I don't think his work is precious to him. I think it just. I think he he just needed that outlet. Like it feels very spontaneous. Yeah, and I know that's a weird thing to say about an artist, but for some artists, I can think of like so many examples of this of people I know. Their art for them is like their precious baby. They just love it and nurture it and put so much of themselves into it. And gosh, it's hard for them to send it out into the big cruel world. And then you get some people that it's just like, it's kind of a compulsion or they're very okay with the fact that their children have to grow up and get the F out. Like they're ready for the next thing. And <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like he was making a lot of money by the end of his life. So that might've helped. Right. Unfortunately, this was a lot of money for somebody who was, one, very young, and two, very addicted to heroin. Um, it would have been interesting to see what happened after the fame started to fade and he had to, like, reinvent himself. Right. Because he's this very marked person for this, like, flash-in-the-pan moment that he's famous, but, like, could that have continued? There's no doubt that he was brilliant. Yeah. So I think he would have found a way. I mean, he was always a scrapper and he was brilliant. So some people just don't evolve though. Right. But uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. I don't see any reason to think he didn't, but it's, I think it's one of those things like you, you kind of have to ponder because we'll never know. I think he would have been one of those that would have ebbed and flowed. You know, and, right. And then most people do that. Right. There's very few people that it's a, I think Hit he, out of the park every time. I think he would have stayed in the public. He would have been public more often than not, you know. But I think it, like, because he was 
an artist and musician and very obviously well read I think he had he had to have some kind of outlet to keep going especially dealing with the depression especially dealing with all the things he had to deal with going on in his head that he needed that so it's interesting this painting is once again that black form that's drawn and painted over right <clears throat> the head looks almost like the area 51 type alien head with an elongated forehead, a kind of malformed skull. It looks like West African art to me. Right. I could see that. Um, which has a huge influence on the Caribbean. That's where most of the African Caribbean population comes from. Right. I mean, that's where we pulled, that's where the slave trade happened. Um, that's the Ivory Coast. Thanks, America. Um, uh, what's interesting too is the like blurred text over the head that almost looks like a halo or a crown um, it looks like it's been like scribbled out or erased or both which is something he commonly did and that's another thing that's important to postmodernism is the role of the word because it ties into like Derrida's philosophy okay um, and there's like kind of a circle around the whole body and the arms make this like lopsided like it kind of looks like the state of Oklahoma or a pan. Yeah, if you turn your head, it looks like Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma is just Texas's hat. Everyone is Texas's hat. Unless you're Mexico. <laughs> Mexico is Texas's pants. <laughs> we had them boys. and hate emails to artiswear at gmail.com i am so sorry everybody um so but it the hands are in this weird loop um like the opposite of the infinity sign i just now realized you made a fart joke i had like tuned that out i've been spending too much time with my husband <laughs> i snuck it in it, it was silent but deadly too much time with your kids i'm not i'm not making I don't have a good fart joke, so I'm going to pretend like I'm, you know, on my high horse and just not going to make one. But we all know I would make one if I thought of one. Okay. I'm a little shit like that. <clears throat> That's, uh, dear Vanessa, I'm headed, I'm coming over to your house. I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want anything? Uh, to, to have two of me. No worries. See you in a bit. Of course, my stomach is now like, abandon all hope, all ye who enter here. Hey, really? Geez. You want to you want to tell me you can't make fart jokes? I have IBS. You have lactose intolerance and IBS. It's a horrible wrong combo. And you ate cheese. I know. So now that we've now that we all really have distracted much about Vanessa's bathroom <laughs> habits. <laughs> Can you please finish just dissecting remember, this guys, painting? the second part of the rhyme is if it's brown, flush it down. I'm just saying. Oh my god. <laughs> and be, ba baskets of Basquiat and buckets of poop. And that's our podcast. It's yeah. Um <laughs> oh man, I watched my husband was watching this YouTube video by like some like neocon Republican guy who's British. I'm wincing in pain here. Anyways, he was talking about how like it's horrible because the arts literally can shit. Like who can take any kind of art seriously? I'm like, the can shit happened in like 1932. Come on, dude, get with the times. 
he could not cite a like extreme art thing that hadn't happened before like the 1990s. It's really sad. Yeah. It's speaking of extreme, this painting kind of creeps me out. Yeah, that's I, I think that's why I don't want to talk about it. I think it. that's why I'm having trouble with it too. We keep distracting it's ourselves. It's got like angry vampire teeth and like magical alien eyes, and I'm pretty sure it will bite me if given the chance. And you can it's kind of giving you an x-ray into the human form. You can see kind of outlines of lungs, the outline of just the what maybe somebody would think is a stomach um in that small human body the same with the arms you can see where the bones are supposed to be here on the right arm and then here on the left arm you know who it reminds me of is that voodoo deity that wears the top hat and has the skull painted on his face the one in um princess and the frog you know that's actually referencing a real like voodoo right yeah yeah Yeah. so it it, and i mean once again that's west africa uh going into the caribbean and dr facilier i think that's his name in the disney Disney thing i have kids it's not i can't i don't remember the actual please get points yeah please correct me Please, please. Yeah, I actually want to know about that. So hit us up. Um, but anyway, yes, it's creepy. Can we move on now? Yeah, there's. I don't think there's anything else to show. Nope, there's just nope, notes on when just he died. Notes. There's some books. Yeah, there's um, really. There's actually a lot of information out there. Um, we were lucky in so far as there's a lot of documentation on how he lived and what he created. He was very prolific um it sounds like from everything i know when he wasn't depressed he was a cool guy to have at a party yeah yeah he seemed like a really interesting guy intelligent insightful right creative young person and it's it's a shame once again kids just don't do drugs right don't don't do that to yourself say no to the the heroines yeah and the cocaines don't do the heavy drugs kids yeah or or drugs yeah just drugs. Right. Just Awkward pause. Drugs. Drugs. Um, says the person on Adderall. Crack, crack is whack. I'm on legal meth, kids. Yeah, well, you've got ADD. It's not like you're snorting it and going to parties. We, you know what it would do? taping your daughter to the bed ages ago. It, it, it just, I'm going to take my Adderall and then go take a nap. Yeah. Wee! That's when you know you have ADD. I think I told you I accidentally took one of my husband's Adderalls. I thought it was a stomach, me- like heartburn medicine. It's really like omniprozole times two. Right. And um, yeah, I I started so many things I did not finish. It was horrible. I'm so sorry. I love you. It's okay. That's what you get for taking other people's drugs. That's right. We're in the hospital for two weeks because of pleurisy. Yeah. Oh, that was that was um, pulmonary embolisms. Yeah, yeah. Because taking other people's drugs. Uh, the rule of that story is, kids, don't take other people's drugs. Yeah, stay out of other. Or other people's birth control that is not prescribed to you, because then you can't sue the fucking manufacturer for putting you in the hospital for two weeks and giving you fifty thousand dollars worth of medical debt and ruining an entire semester of your freaking college. And being on blood thinners for how long? Uh, eight months. Yeah. I was, and it's not just, it's warfarin, it's rat poison. It was developed as rat poison, 
And then they were like, this actually has medicinal effect. Please have some blood thinners. By the way, never eat spinach while you're on this. Um, please eat at normal times and like the same type of meal every day or else your shit's going to go all out of whack. I was a college student with a daughter and a husband and three doves. That ain't happening. So anyway, rant over. That was Basquiat. I, I feel, like, feel like there's been a lot of life lessons here. Well, and I feel that's appropriate for Basquiat. Yeah. I feel like he was the original... Well, and not I mean, the like, original, but definitely I, a brilliant ADD. And I feel sorry for him that, you know, he was homeless and that this, and he ends up having to turn to selling drugs. Yeah, doing things that are illegal to Support make money. Um, and I, I can't imagine being in a situation where your kid drops out of high school and you have to make that kind of call. I, I don't know that I'd kick them out, but I think I'd be like, get and get a job. Yeah, the, uh, the, from what I understand, his father was a lot harsher than his mother. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, we're not, we weren't there. I'm right. not going to, but, you know. It's, we're not even on second or third hand accounts. We're on like 12 hand accounts by now. If you're, but maybe this, if you're ever in that position with your own kids, think long and hard about where this ultimately ended up. Yeah, you made a lot of money, but all of the money in the world doesn't bring you back from the grave true story all right so this has been a very oh you know what i should plug what should you plug i i started a new podcast <gasps> you have one whole episode out as the time of this recording um and probably i'm gonna put this out like tomorrow so um hi everybody hi everybody hi mickey mouse so no. tell me about your new podcast my, my new podcast is called phantom of the podcast Dun, dun, dun. I felt Is like that also Sprague Zarathustra from 2001? Maybe. Okay. So You'll never know. <laughs> that that's that's Phantom of the Opera really. The Phantom of the, the 2001 version. Like it's the Phantom of the Opera in space. It'd be like Hellraiser in space, like probably make as much sense. But it was horrible. So tell me about your podcast. I'm the one with ADD. Tell me about your podcast. Live with a person. Anyways. So we're uh, starting with the book, The Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, there's a book. There's a book. It turns out it was a, it was originally a uh, like serial paper no uh, story. And then it was made into a novel and then translated to English around 1910. And we we're going to watch all kinds of Phantom of the Opera related media and discuss it, talk about our like weird fan shippings, who we like, what we didn't like. And, you know, if this movie really is, you know, phantom worthy, much like, you know, Elaine and Seinfeld would wonder if men were sponge worthy. We're wondering if it's really deserves the title phantom. Excellent. So is there a grading system on like, I give this five phantoms out of five. No, that would be like way too much forethought. I, I feel like you should pull this I can in. always I can always add it later. Okay. Yeah, because you you're only like one in so we far. do like we go like how does this Eric compare to now that we've watched a couple of things, we've got a we got a couple in the hat for this one, so it'll be somewhat regular released. But uh it's me, uh John Bailey from Popcorn Junkie and L Class from Klaus class you know it's l klaus from focus on fantasy romance and she's also a, a paranormal romance writer she's actually quite good she is i, I like her 
obviously. I wouldn't, I don't actually plug friends who make crappy stuff. I just. <laughs> if you ever wonder why I haven't been plugged on this podcast, people. You've written a novel? Damn it. Yeah, the, the, see, there's the sticking point. Fine. Um, Are... But yeah, so Elle has interesting insights because she does write romance. But uh, yeah, so I, I think it's a fun ride. We're, oh yeah, it's great. We're taking it as serious as is appropriate. So not at all. Not, not, yeah. <laughs> so guys, uh, if you're listening to this, obviously you like at least some of the format. So go check out Phantom of the Podcast. It is actually an awesome ride. There's a Facebook page. You can also go to phantompodcast.com. Um, I'll any, put it in the show notes because I like pimping myself. Anyone else we need to plug? Have we plugged Joe before? Yeah, we have. I now have a, uh, well, we'll talk about that next podcast. Fair. All right. This has been Art, I Swear. I'm Vanessa Van Alstein. I'm Katie Gibbs. And uh, you have a creative day there. Oh, do we have to do the iridial and the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joe, Joe Giggs in our intro, outro. He lives in New York City, so maybe he's, like, locked where Basquiat locked. I mean, I guarantee he has, but... And then... Um... And he wouldn't, hopefully, does not have any of the... No, he doesn't. Okay. And then, you know, iridials all the samples. And uh, have a creative day. Have a creative day. Bye. Bye.